They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarashuk. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. Now, without further ado... Let's do Always. this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to the raucous and fun-filled edition of Talk With Tarashuk podcast. I am the Tarashuk and Talk With Tarashuk, Will Tarashuk, founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. That's T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. And today, I am joined by my old friend, who I haven't spoken to in eight years, give or take here and there, my old college roommate. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun. A man who knows me before me. <laughs> Jeff Day, I know him as Hefe. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. It's great to see you, man. It's been a long time since I've actually physically talked to you. It's been too long, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. It's uh, good to talk to you, McLovin. Yeah, so so fun fact, uh, college freshman year. So, me and me and Hefe lived together um, freshman year. We lived in a suite, so it was four of us. It was me, Roman, Costa, and Hefe. Uh, and... <laughs> Roman came up with the nickname McLovin for me, and then we came up with the idea Hefe for Jeff. So yeah. I think and I the had other two didn't. The I might, other two didn't need, need nicknames at all. No, Roman. <laughs> Roman is a man on his own, and then Costa had a great last name. So yeah. he was one of those people he used to use his last name as his first name. So it all worked. Uh, but Jeff, great, great to see you, man. Um, yeah. Where are you living these days? You were in North Carolina. Uh. I was. Now I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. South Carolina. Now you were from. Yeah. You originally from Pennsylvania. Yeah, correct. So how did you end up in the Carolinas? Uh, so when I transferred from Austria, um, I transferred to Gardner Webb in North Carolina, graduated there, and then when I was looking at law schools, I was looking to try and come back down here, um, and ended up in Charleston. So it's uh probably my favorite spot in the world the carolinas really because i like yeah. i've been to myrtle beach a few times so it's it's just hot down there do you get how are the hurricanes do you get hit with hurricanes pretty hard or does it depend um i mean if you're like right on the water you're gonna want to move but <laughs> i mean i we had hurricane dorian about a year year and a half ago maybe um and that was i mean lots of talk and less less destruction so um if you're if you're somewhat inland you're, you're pretty safe that's good all right shout out to the carolinas like the carolinas uh yeah. so let's go back to the beginning we met at hofstra uh why hofstra why did you go to hofstra why did you pick hofstra uh because i was in new york and i just grew up loving new york my dad's family was from upstate new york um so when i was looking at colleges i was like i don't want to be that close to home um, and Hofstra was like the perfect distance where I was like, I was close enough, but not close enough. Um, and I mean, it was a really good school, right? So, um, I got in and wish I could have stayed, but, um, I had a really good freshman year there. So why, why did you leave? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it was probably Roman. <laughs> I, think, no. Ro I think Roman would be a good reason to push people out of school. <laughs> but uh, no, so why, it, why, why did you end up leaving? Because I was sad to see you go. It honestly wasn't because I, I mean, yeah, we had 
a few back and forth that year, but um, I really consider myself lucky to get the three of you as roommates my freshman year because, mm-hmm. you know, you go from high school to freshman year at college, it's one of the biggest jumps in your life. Mm-hmm. And overall, the, like the three of you, I thought I was like extremely lucky to end up um, with you guys. Um, no, it was more financial. My dad was helping me pay. Mm. And he wasn't real thrilled about how much it costs that first year. So he was like, yeah, you should like a transferring. And I'd actually um, done well enough that that year to get into the honors program, which probably would have gotten me enough money to stay. Um, But that whole process was going so slow, um, really slow. So yeah, uh, Hofstra is not like giving money to people. I mean, they gave me a good scholarship. I think my scholarship paid for half. Of my yeah. tuition, but still, even some man, it's especially out of state, it's very expensive. Right. And I mean, that's, I was probably getting 75% maybe that first year. Mm-hmm. And it was still like, I mean, to what, 50, 60K a year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I went to a cheaper school. Um, so, but it all worked out. I mean, we did a lot of fun. So it's it's interesting because I just I was just telling you this before we started recording. I was saying this the other day. Like when we knew each other, that was my freshman year of college was a very much a transitional part of my life because high school was fucking awful. High school was very rough. Uh, I didn't really know who I was as a person, so I had to go to college and pretty much find myself, kind of get comfortable with who I was and you know, for my identity, because college was going to help me do that. Uh, and then I was thinking, okay, so what's my identity now? Well, it's podcasting. But freshman year, I didn't do anything with podcasting. I didn't even think of starting one. I just listened to them a bunch. Yeah. And then I started my second semester sophomore year. So you were one of the only people I actually talked to who knew me in that transitional phase and didn't really see me complete it. Because Roman, I still talk to Roman. I okay. haven't spoke to Costa in years, but you're really the only one. So it's very bizarre yeah. uh, to have that situation in my life where it's just like I was in that transitional phase. So, yeah. did I mean, did you feel like during that year, though, that did, I mean, because I'm not surprised where you are right now at all. Like, this just seems like the natural progression of like. Yeah. It was definitely a nat- natural progression. And that first year was unlike any of the others. Like freshman year is my favorite year uh, yeah. by far. I definitely had the most <laughs> fun my freshman year. And like I had a great junior year. I had a great senior year because like uh, sophomore year is definitely my worst year. But freshman year just sticks out because it was so different from all the yeah. rest. Because junior and senior, I joined a frat. If you can believe that. If you can believe that, Hefe. McLovin joined a frat. Oh, I um, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so so those two kind of meshed together. But that freshman year, there was just the four of us. It was just ridiculous. I'm very yeah. glad Hofstra did um, sweet living. Because oh, yeah. did you did you go to a suite or was it just a roommate with your new school? Yes. So I was I was so spoiled by that freshman year. After that, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm living in a typical dorm like no way um so i i lived sweet life for the rest of my college uh college life was was in a suite um thank god um i mean it's bad enough in a suite but dorms are just i wasn't gonna mess with that so yeah we we had the common area we had our two rooms and we had our own bathroom like i remember i had a a few friends lived in the towers at hofstra 
And I was just like, first off, these rooms are tiny. Uh, yeah. You get no privacy, and you have to share a bathroom with the whole floor. Like y'all, yeah. y'all, like y'all fucked up. You should went and lived in C square in the back of the in the back of campus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to Gardner Webb, and it was it was the same setup, except just an additional like four, so it was eight guys. Um, and that got a little hairy every now and then. We had a uh, a guy decide to use um, the bathroom in the shower. Uh, and not fess up to it. Uh, uh, so. uh, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it wasn't uh, when it goes right down the drain so easily. Yeah, that's, that's correct. <laughs> oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus. Someone took a dump in the shower. Yeah. And uh, then uh, proceeded to sit there during our meeting with the uh, RA and say, oh, that's disgusting. And we're it all is like, fucking Dude. disgusting. <laughs> we're fucking we're all like, Dude, we've all been here for three years and you're the new guy. Like, clearly it was you. Come on. But. And we had, we had the big shower too. We had, we had the handicap shower. We had like the we had the seat. So our bathroom yeah, was which humongous. We'll probably come up in my uh, favorite story of you in a bit if we Sto- get to that story of me with the shower. <laughs> well, no, the bathroom. The bathroom. What yeah. Did, what, did I, what did I do in the bathroom? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now because I remember I remember our shower head was always loose. So like we had like jerry rig it so like to stay there. Yeah. Um, but what did I do in the bathroom? All right, it's story time. What did McLovin yeah. do in the bathroom? So this is a story I have told repeatedly over the years to people. Um, but the, the story that sticks out from that year, we were having, um, a bit of a party in oh, the suite. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember. Oh, I continue. Continue. It's actually a really good story. Um, Mom, block your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, having a bit of party in the suite and like personally I made the best decision in my life that night. Cause I decided not to be drinking for whatever reason. And my mm-hmm. friends now will be like, Oh, that's not unusual for you. But back then it was pretty unusual. Um, I just decided I'm not going to drink, but I was still hanging out with you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't, we didn't even have probably 10 people in there, but it was getting a little rowdy. You got hammered. You know what? And, I think that was the weekend uh, that I made um, Uncle Phil's hooch. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which that's still some of the best. It is. It drink is. I've ever had in my life. It is the um, best. And I, yeah, I tell people about that too. I'm like, dude, this this Uncle Phil stuff is good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell that story. Continue. Continue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get hammered, and obviously there's other drunk people there but i don't remember what it was but they were trying to get you to do something i I don't know if it was brownies or what but roman was trying to get you to do something and so you guys are in your room with the window open and you just start shrieking no no no." (laughs) i forgot about this fucking the window is open and then the window yeah. is open and so, Roman's just like, I mean, I'm just like, no, fuck on, stop, fuck it, stop it, stop it. Like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> and this, but this is like really late at night. Like so fast forward about, but yeah, fast forward about 20 minutes later, it's, it's really like winding down. Like the music's off. We're like really wrapping it up and we get a knock on the door and we're like, what the, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> It's campus security, <laughs> and they like barge in, and I'm sitting there in a chair, like playing like 2K, and 
the rest of you guys are just hammered. And um, oh, was it Mike? The other Mike? Rowan's friend? Big Mike? Do you remember Oh, him? Mike Marini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was like so it was him. He, and then we had the two. It was one of the Vinnies. It was Black Vinny. Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, Jasmina was there. Of course. And yeah. And so they come in and like they clearly see signs of a party, which we weren't supposed to be having in the dorms. Um, so they would have come in for that. But after Mike and Roman stopped being absolute dicks to the campus security, mm-hmm. um, who I think they ended up walking out cuffed, maybe. I don't. I think Roman did. Was, yeah, uh, somebody did. Was that when Roman was wearing Jasmine's crop top and he had like little, like the things in his hair? Yeah, and he was like pushing them out of the room, yeah, like yeah. physically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they barge in, start getting everybody's IDs and stuff. And I'm sitting there, I look up, I'm like, dude, like, I'm not, I'm just sitting here playing video games. Like, if you want to take my ID, like, sure, but I didn't do anything wrong. And the guy was like, cool. So, like I said, one of the best decisions I ever made, even though I don't know how much trouble anybody got in, so it probably wasn't that big a deal. But it, it didn't get by the, much trouble. Well, by the time by the time they had gotten up there, you had like locked yourself in the bathroom. I had, and I don't know if you were throwing up or or just like I were think, just trying to get away from Roman. I think I just had to go to the bathroom. I oh, think really? this, <laughs> I, I think the timing was because I do remember this. I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> as drunk as you say I was, but I had to go to the bathroom. I hear P safe barge in. I just lock the door and don't say yeah. a word. <laughs> right. And that was like, you know, I made the smart move not drinking. You made the even smarter move of just locking yourself in there. Being hidden. Like, yeah. Um, and, oh, dude. You know, the other hilarious part was Black Penny was literally about to walk out the door with a bag full of beer. <laughs> he emptied the fridge and tried walking out. <laughs> So oh up, okay, so we had two Vinnies on our floor. We had White Vinny and yeah. Black Vinny. <laughs> so they were best friends. Yeah, they were best. I I miss both of those Vinnies. Shout out to both of those Vinnies. Actually, White Vinny has gone engaged. So yeah. congratulations to White Vinny. For real. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Cafe, I'm gonna one up you that story because sophomore year. Well, hold on. Oh, there's hold more on. of the story. What else? What else is there? Yeah. So, so we're like, why the hell would? Like, we never had campus security come to our dorm, regardless yeah. of how loud it got. Like, so we're like, why the hell are these guys there? It turns out they were on, like, the other side of the street when you were screaming at Roman, just like, no, stop, whatever. And they were like, oh, my God, like, some girl's getting raped <laughs> up in Stuyvesant. Yeah, they, they thought someone was being sexually assaulted. We're like, <laughs> like wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, this, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. No, because it was bizarre. It was like it was like nobody on our hall was gonna call if anyone was having a party. Like we weren't narcs like that. No, like Everett was our RA. Everett was insane. Everett was uh, a frat boy. All right, he didn't give yeah. two shits. Yeah. So that's why it was like so bizarre. But then it was so hilarious because like we had no idea that campus security thought that some girl was getting raped. <laughs> you know. You know. No, I remember what it was. So I. I, I had to throw up, right? So I was going to go out the window. And then Rome and Mike or whoever mm-hmm. was just like, do yeah. it. Like, yo, just throw up. Throw up. And I was going, yo. Like, like, they're like, pat me on the back or something. Just trying to make it throw burp the baby. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, no, yeah. stop, stop, stop. So I had to yep. throw up out the window. Mm-hmm. And and then Pete Sabin heard me. <laughs> and then they come barging in 20 minutes later. So I went to the bathroom. I don't know. That was wild. 
Uh, do yeah. you remember? Remember when I slept to the fire alarm? <sighs> freshman year. It was freshman year. There were so many fire. There were so many damn were fire so many alarms. Fire it was like three in the morning, and I wake up. It's like someone from public safety, like, "Yo, get out of here! It's a fire! A fire alarm!" I'm like, "What?" So I I slept through a fire alarm, which I don't even know I could Jeez. do that. But that brings me to my yeah. one. I'm gonna one up you that story, Hefe, because okay, it gets it gets worse. All right, oh, so soft, <laughs> sophomore year, uh, Rome was out. I think in the city or uh, had at a party or something, and he forgot his keys, as he tends to do. Uh so. I go to bed thinking he's going to just not come home. And it turns out he did come home. And I wake up. So I'm going to tell a story from the end and work my way backwards. I wake up in my bed to Roman yelling at P-Safe in the room. Now I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? So I do like I did in the bathroom. I don't say a Mm -hmm. word. (laughs) I just lay there. Being asleep, I roll over a little bit so someone knows I'm alive. So I'm not just like I'm gonna make a two. I like make like I'm sleeping moves. Moves. Yeah. So Rome's getting yelled by P safe. Uh, maybe got taken out, and I just sleep through it. So what happens? Um, apparently he forgot his keys, so he was like yelling at the window, McLovin, like wake up, throwing stuff at the window. Oh my gosh! He broke the window. <laughs> <laughs> he broke Jeez. our dorm window. And wow. I did. I still didn't wake up. So I think he somehow got in the the in the in the dorm. Ended up fighting with someone, like in the hallway. Was banging on the door. Still didn't wake up. And eventually, I think public safety had to come and open the door for him. And wow. then I woke up. Jeez, dude. Deep sleeper. I would have deeps. I would have deep sleeps. I would have. I feel like I feel like he did that freshman year too, except he didn't break the window. Because I remember stuff being thrown out the windows late at night like that. Unreal. Well, he 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 lost. He would lose his keys. <laughs> yeah, all, all the, the time. time. He'd be locked out all the time. Yeah. And uh. Did we ever was our door? I don't. I don't think no. Our door was our, our door was, was broken. It was no, oh, your door. no, no. Okay, gotcha, no, no. Yeah. Our, our, our dorm door to go gotcha. into the common area. That door, the lock was broken. Mm. Remember, so like it wouldn't lock, so we just had to push it and we would open. It would just open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he would still forget his keys. <laughs> he just couldn't. He couldn't swipe into the building. Yeah. Oh. Man, Hofstra's good times. I remember, I remember we drew on Costa's back. Yeah, do do you remember when he was like, uh, I think I saw the pictures. Up, vomiting up uh, red stuff, and we thought it was blood, and it was it just was like he had drunk Gatorade. Yeah. yeah, I have pictures from that night. I still have pictures from that <laughs> night. I put my logo on his back. Yep, because no, who it was? Because he came into our room and got into bed with Roman Jasmine. <laughs> Uh, he was hands down the best roommate ever. <laughs> that oh, first man. semester, that first semester was a lot of fun. Second semester was a little slower because you and Costa didn't go out that much second semester. Costa was away a lot. He was with his girlfriend a lot. Yeah. And you got really sucked into the office in 2K. Yeah. 
I also had such an easy schedule. Yeah. Like I had classes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So yeah, I had a four none, day weekend. None of us <laughs> none of us had Friday classes. Yeah. I remember you getting really mad at two K too. That was really funny. Hey man. Like, that was uh I also got really good at 2K that year. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I think that's, is, that, is that the first time you played 2K? No, Roughly? no, but it was it was the first time I had easy access to it like that. And uh, I just remember uh, I always used to play as Carmelo with the Knicks because mm-hmm. I would not miss with that guy. And I remember playing somebody, and they played with, like, the 96 Bulls, and I beat them by, like, 50 points because I couldn't miss with Carmelo. It's probably me. It was probably me. I was really bad that game against other people. But remember, uh, remember we didn't have a TV stand, <laughs> so we just took we took one of the things from the common area on the full oh, floor yeah. Yeah. and just like put a put a blanket over it so no one noticed. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the year, everyone was just like, "You guys had that this all bad. year." We're like, "Yeah." <laughs> And <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> you mean we couldn't just take things? <laughs> Any other stories before we move on? Uh, I mean, that's the one that really sticks out. There that were is, a lot of there were the, a lot of late the, nights, like dragging you guys back from Hafusa, and yeah. Ah, uh, man, it was a McKees. good. It was a good crew. <laughs> it was. It was a good crew. Uh, was, it was, did uh, were you and Roman the only ones that stuck it out all four year Hofstra? Yeah, because Costa also transferred. So um, me and Rome lived together um, in C Square the next year, and also coincidentally, remember we lived across from uh, Riley, Everett, yeah. R- Riley, and um, mm-hmm. his name is Matt. Mike. Mike, I always called him Matt. Yeah. Mike. Uh, it was random, but Riley ended up in the room next to us. In the room, wow. and actually, he was our sweet mate sophomore year, just by random. Wow! So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, then I joined the frat. Romans is Roman was still Roman. Uh, Roman Jasmina was still Roman Jasmina. Uh, Jasmina really kind of held the group together. Shout out to Jasmina. Uh, yeah. That whole time, because it was it was the five of us. We'd have nights yeah. we'd do our own thing, but we'd have this nights where it was just the five of us just. This shooting the shit because I had all my Blu-rays too. We oh, we just watched. We had my Blu-ray player and all my Blu-rays. Every now and then we just have a movie night. The uh, Lord of the Rings marathon. Lord of the Rings marathon. <laughs> like it was, it was a really, really good time. Uh, what was I like? <laughs> what was I like? I mean, everything you would assume a Massachusetts teenager would be. <laughs> um, no, because I'm not Irish. You're not Irish. <laughs> yeah, but Polish. I mean, come on. <clears throat> Italian Polak. Because um, I, mean, I was, I mean, I was an, I was an awkward kid. I was a weird kid yeah, freshman year. But like, I didn't really know how to funny. dress. <laughs> no, which is probably why like Roman was a really good first year roommate for you. Um, yes, definitely. And and of course, Jasmine ended up being around too. I suppose. Um, but no, like, I don't know. I always hit it off with you because we can talk about sports all the time. Yeah. And so, like, regardless of anything else, that was, like, so easy. Um, and so, like, if other people were like, oh, like, he's awkward or weird, I was like, okay, but, like, we can talk sports all day. So, like, who cares? Like, <clears throat> um, but no, I always 
I mean, the way I saw it was like you and Roman were the loud ones. And me and Costa were like the chill ones. Yeah, and yeah. Me and me and Rome were the loud, were the loud ones. Rome, <laughs> Rome was one of those people who came into my life at the perfect time. Like if someone's just like, dude, I hate Rome. He drives me crazy. I get it. Like I, I totally get it. Roman can be very, very unlikable. Sorry, Rome, but I love the guy. Rome is yeah. one of my favorite people on the entire planet. As much as he pisses me off. And he can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. He he was a very important person in my life at a time he was in my life. And like I actually yeah. I was talking to him yesterday. This about oh, wow. me. I'm sure like I think he's out in Idaho right now. Um, wow. And he's had he's had an interesting go of things too. I want to get him on this podcast eventually, but we gotta find something to talk about. Cause you know Yeah, him. I mean that's uh that's one of those things like we now live in twenty twenty two, so things are different, but like even 10 years ago, whatever it was, eight years ago, like you, a lot of us needed that. I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say he was a straight up bully, but at times he could be bullyish. Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes that goes too far, but like sometimes you need some of that in your life. And yeah. <clears throat> I think not even just for you, but even sometimes for me, it was good to have someone like that around to like just push your buttons a bit, you know? Yeah. Like Rome, Rome can treat people like like dirt, but uh, I never felt like dirt. I felt like I was treated differently. That's for some odd reason he respected me more than other people, which is right. a bizarre thing to say for Roman. Um, I mean, the way I saw it is he was hard on you, but he also seemed to have your back, like no matter what. Like yeah, definitely, <laughs> and he, he had my best interest at heart too. Like he, yeah. I remember one time he was just like. No McLovin, like you're my project. And I was just like, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what that means, but thanks. Yeah. And see, and see, a lot of people would be turned off by like somebody saying that, but like he was honest like that, you know, like yeah. If he was being a douchebag, you'd be like, I'm being a douchebag because you suck right now, like yeah. Like, I have, I remember, I remember, I remember, I had him text a girl for me, <laughs> like once or twice. I was like, I don't know what to say. Give my is gave him my phone and he just took care of it, right? It was just like, I don't know. It was weird. Freshman was just such a weird point in my life that I wish I could go back. Like I wouldn't, I I would go back to senior year. Oh, yeah. I would go back to junior year. I would do freshman year twice because freshman was just such an interesting time. It was so much fun, and it was. It's just that. It's just that outlier year. That was just so bizarre. Cause we had a great floor too. Like, yeah, every, uh, uh, oh my God, that chick, Mike, Riley, Jack, that chick <laughs> next door who just, go, oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot that bitch existed until just this second. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, that is the, that's the biggest thing I didn't, didn't miss about Hofstra or the Jersey girls. <laughs> I remember, I remember, like it was November or something, and it was snowing, and his chick came out because she was from California. She's like, "Guys, on the whole floor." She's like, "This is the first time I've ever seen snow." Nice go, yeah. Congratulations! And I head towards the elevator. It's like, "What do you do? You see snow? Congrats! Great. <laughs> Way to go!" Oh man. All right. So you left. You left Hofstra. Um, and you studied sociology. Um, actually, speaking of Roman, yeah. he, he actually just texted me. So shout out to Roman. Um, 
you uh, the, you wrote your you studied sociology, you wrote your thesis on the idea of capitalist economies having an unconscious racism. So that's deep. Um, before we get into this conversation, um, where do you lie politically? On the stand, because you know we've we've gone back and forth on Facebook over the years, but I, I, I've I've always seen your shit. I'm gonna say, okay, sometimes Hefe is pretty left leaning, sometimes he's pretty right leaning. I know you, <laughs> I know you're relatively religious and you're big on God and all that, but where do you think you land on uh, politically? Because that thesis, just knowing you as I did, is a little surprising to me. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, I've always been big on language, so I think mm. that kind of the topic and the title I wrote about, you know, if you, cause I would say I'm mostly conservative leaning. Um, but I like to start off in the center on things, mm. um, as opposed to just being opposed to your idea because you're on that side of it. Um, <clears throat> and as long as we can have a conversation, like, uh, sure, I'll disagree with you, but you're, if we can have a conversation about it, you're entitled to that opinion just as much as I'm entitled to mine. So, um, but yeah, so conservative leaning for the most part, um, it's, I wanted to write about when I was writing, that was really when black lives matter was blowing up with everything. Um, and so I wanted to write about something topical, and um i studied a lot of w.e.b dubois and um kind of tried to figure out okay this is one of the most influential african-american philosophers really um in the united states and what would be kind of his perspective about where things are with racism in america and in that research it seemed to me that I don't, it seems that hate is not a, is not really a natural human emotion. Hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's natural, but it's, it's more secondary. Um, and I think when you're looking at, um, like politics, economics, everything, what I think a lot about like Karl Marx, I think he was brilliant, but I think he was, he had one focus and so he was looking at economics and that was it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other factors that get left out in that. So as I was studying this racism stuff, it seemed to me that we have capitalism for the most part and capitalistic um, structures. And because we've had those for so long there, what people do is, okay, we have our economic system, which is a way we, it, it helps us survive, right? So what can I do to survive, which is kind of the essence of Darwin, um, survival of the fittest. And so you're building a capitalistic system. Okay, what is a way that we can get a, a, a leg up on other people? And I think at some point people are just like, oh, hey, these people have different color skin than us we can use that to our economic advantage. And so I don't think a lot of the racism in America's history is, is really rooted in anything hate-based. Um, 
it's more, it was more of a, Hey, we have a economic system and we can use this to accelerate it, to get ahead, to survive, to, um, stay above and be economically, um, successful. So, um, that's kind of where I ended up with that. And, um, it's not, it sounds, I guess, maybe like a shot at capitalism, but I don't think it's, 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 it's so subconscious that it's not like, Hey, we're doing this because it's more of like, we have the system and it just naturally kind of came out of that. That's interesting. So basically you think racism today is more economically subconscious than it is willfully hateful. I think it, or is that, or is that historically as well? I think it, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of, um, I think it kind of really took root that way. Right. Because I mean, you you can still debate people today about, you know, what was the civil war really about? Like, was it economics? Was it about states rights? Was it about, um, slavery? But all the above people have all yeah. right. And, and people have all sorts of ideas, but I mean the primary thing. And so, but specifically for the South back then, they had an economic system that was almost entirely based on slavery. Exactly. So yeah. if they could have had, you know, Polish people work in the fields picking cotton, I'm sure they would have taken it. Yeah. That yeah. just wasn't the way the economic system was set up at the time, right? It's it's, so, it's, it's interesting how it's the Civil War specifically, because like uh, one of my best friends is from Nashville, and I know a lot of people from Nashville, like meeting his brothers and his friends and their friends. Mm-hmm. So like this comes up a, like not a lot, but it comes up the yeah. civil war and how they were taught the civil war versus how like us in the North were taught the civil war is very different. Now, don't get me wrong. They know the North one. Thank God. <laughs> um, but you know, like is, was the civil war about slavery? It's like, well, yes and no. It was about states right. rights, but that one of those rights was from slavery. And to your point. Yeah. A lot of that was from economics like their economy was built off slavery that they took out loans from the bank in new york by the way right so and also um robert e lee was just like i don't give a shit about slavery i just care about the south right i don't care i'm misquoting him but that's essentially what he said he's like he's like i don't like slavery it's like it's just that's how the economy works so you can't you couldn't just which go ahead which is a poor excuse of course, but it shows you how, it shows you how it it shows you how attached people are to their economic way of life, right? Which right. is why we get presidents elected. People think they can do for the economy, yeah. Like that is a huge part of people's lives, and you know the North is going through the Industrial Revolution or about to, and they need they use their economy works well without them, and then you have half the states in the union that are, you know, economically feasible because of slavery. And like I said, I don't think it was, uh, oh, they have to be black people or they have to be from Africa. Like that was the, that was the way the ship sailed. That was the way the system had been set up, you know, from Britain, France, all those countries. Like it wasn't, it was more like, like I said, if they had other options, I think they would have taken him, you know, throw some, throw some Polish people out in the field. Like I really don't think it was, rooted in we hate these people because of the color of their skin i think it was we have an economic system and we're not going to mess with it that's interesting 
It's it's an interesting it's an interesting premise. And and when you're in a capitalistic society, you'll find those ways to sustain it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, even even something as stupid as minimum wage, like that's a way to either keep people down or elevate people, right? So like whatever capitalism can get a hold of and run with as far as being a successful system, it's gonna use. Well, so so how do you explain the clan then? Because post Civil War, Reconstruction, you know, that was what saw the rise of the clan. And yeah. they are solely based on hate. You think the clan really gives a shit about capitalism? <laughs> like, well, so like, like how like how is a fact like that? Because I, mean, I don't, I don't want to dis- discount the fact that hate hatred is a fundamental part of racism. Like, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you, but you can't yeah. discount hatred with racism. Right, but I think it seems the last few years we've been told like, oh, we just have a country full of people who hate each other as opposed to, you know, we had a system that thankfully we were able to dismantle and there are still the lingerings of people who do have that hate. But, because I mean, the clan, yeah. So I'm not an expert on it, but I would imagine that a lot of those people were once very wealthy um, white people in the South yeah. whose economic way of living got completely destroyed so you're bitter about that Mm. um and and at some point when you do when you are using something like race to sustain your economy inevitably people are going to latch on to things like hate um you know if you're raised from a little child being told that that person isn't as valuable as you are um it, it does seep in but um yeah. And you can easily say, like, you know, the hatred can come <clears throat> from economic hardship. So, hmm. Now, do you, th- what do you, th- okay, what do you, th- what do you think of capitalism as a whole then? Um, purse, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, okay. I, I believe capitalism is flawed. Uh, I believe America should be a capitalist system. However, the current system we have, isn't true in real capitalism because if it was a lot of people who are in business wouldn't still be in business because they got government (laughs) bailouts in 2008 and from COVID. So we, we have an essence in a allure of capitalism. We have parts of capitalism in our society. Like Elon Musk has bought 10% of Twitter. You know, that's capitalism. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, we also have corporate socialism. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, you can blame a lot of that on politics. Um, of course. And, and the government. Politics. <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and the government getting their hands on stuff, which is, I mean, the government and banks being so um, tied together. Why these the fuck days. is the Fed a thing? All right. The Fed shouldn't be a real. Fuck the Fed. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I think if you've looked into that sort of thing at all, you kind of have an an idea of like what is so messed up Um, with that. I would say government involvement has really, really hurt the, the banking system as a whole Mm. and, and how capitalistic it should be. And then it's really devastated the healthcare system. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, you know, socialist healthcare and stuff. Well, I mean, the government has their hands all over that too. And they have had it for years. So um, I think, like you said, capitalism is not a perfect system, but any system that's run by human beings is going to be flawed. So the beauty, I think what people have seen over time in history is the beauty of capitalism is that it tends to correct itself. Like people at some point start policing it, start improving it. Like we didn't, there's more government involvement now, but when it first started, you know, you had four year olds working 14 hour days, stuff like that. We don't have that anymore. So like there've been corrections made to the system and you know, it, I I like the hands-off approach to it, you know, like, I mean, it, government needs to be there where it makes sense. Um, minimum wage we can debate, uh, but like labor laws, child labor laws, like, you know, 40 hour work week, like things that make sense Mm -hmm. should be there. But, uh, money equals speech and corporation equals person. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. like if in a perfect world, if I had a magic wand and I can make any law I want, I'd be like corporations and business entities cannot donate to politicians, period. Like if you are a CEO of a BlackRock, let's say, or a company like BlackRock and you want to donate to a politician, you got to do it out of your own cash. Like you got to sell shares in your company and use that to pay for your donation. BlackRock as a company cannot donate to politicians. I think that's ludicrous. Like Amazon should not be allowed to donate to politicians. Bezos can. He's a person. He can donate all the money. he That's his right. That's fine. But the idea of corporations being people and the same rights as people, to an extent, I get it. But when it comes to shuffling yeah. money around, it's just like, what? make this make sense to me. And money equals speech? Make that make sense to me. You retort. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so legally, corporations being personified works pretty well. Yes, um, I agree. But I get what you're saying about <clears throat> donating. Um, I don't like getting too far down the politics rabbit hole as far as that goes because it's so beyond messed up. Um I mean, we're trying to police the corruption in countries like Russia and Ukraine, and yet here we are in America. Like, why don't we uh, take a look at that for a second? Um, And, but that's about as far as I'll go on that. I mean, you mentioned the minimum wage. As somebody who worked minimum wage jobs to get through college, I tell people every time this comes up, as somebody who was making tacos at Taco Bell, I do not deserve $15 an hour. Very few people in that sort of industry do. Um, the people who make it a career um, need probably some education, some help in other ways, um, yeah. unless you're in like management positions. It's not, those jobs are not meant to be careers. They're not meant to be yeah. really full time permanent gigs. It's a very, it is like working your way through college type of job and the brain power to do it is not $15 an hour. I, it just isn't. I, I understand that sentiment. 
like, yeah, I, I, in that sentiment, I agree with you, but I think people mix these up a little bit. No, you're thinking in a world of how it should be, right? That job shouldn't be $15 an hour because it doesn't require this. It, this, this job isn't meant to be a career. That's not what it should be. And yes, in essence, you're correct. Minimum wage job is made for kids in high school, kids in college, or senior citizens who are retired, right? Yeah. That's who it should be for. But that's not the world we live in. Like you, you can't, you can't really make policies like the minimum wage based off what it should be. It has to be on what it is. You have to make laws and policies based off the reality we live in. Like people I, do rely on I, those I, jobs or two of those jobs to make rent, and it's still not enough. When these companies like a Taco Bell can afford to pay people more, other shops cannot, which sucks. I don't know what you do there, but certain companies can afford yeah. to pay people more. Well, it, I'm not saying that they sh like if they can, they shouldn't, or they shouldn't reward people for being good workers. Because I, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, I saw a lot of that. Like there were a bunch of people I worked with that deserve more than they were making, but these companies, these huge companies are penny pinchers, mm -hmm. which is how they say huge companies exactly be that as it may. But it's not, I, I disagree that you make laws according to what it is. Like if, if we were just like, Hey, like working at Taco Bell can, you know, afford you rent and like the nice car you want and everything else, then that's what people would start doing instead of, and we've seen it with COVID, right? Like, Hey, you don't want to go to work. We'll pay you more to stay at home. Like, mm -hmm. and it's when you start implementing those policies, people take advantage of it rather than, you know, so if you keep the system as, Hey, these are what this is meant for it. Like there are people that bust their ass and work four or five of those part-time jobs and they make it work. Is it easy? No, but, um, but they shouldn't have to. Like this, this, this is America, right? This is supposed to be the richest, most prosperous country. Yeah. This is supposed to be American dream that they shouldn't have to work four or five jobs just to barely get by working 60, no. 70 hours a week, just to barely get by that. That sounds a terrible. Absolutely not. But a lot, I mean, there's, there's also a lot of personal choice that goes into that. You might be in a location where you feel like you're forced to, to work that many jobs or economically you are forced to work that many jobs. You could move. It's America. We have freedom of movement, right? We do, um, but that's easier said than done. Like <laughs> I, I can't afford just to pick up all my shit and move down South. I mean, I could figure it out because I, I have support systems and family and I have extra cash. Like I could do it, but that's yeah. not, that's not feasible. Like I, I, I think that's a cop out. That's a cop out I mean, answer. You could just move somewhere else. Most people can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, most people can't. I'm not sitting here saying moving location is easy for any number of reasons. It's yeah. not easy, whether it's family or whatever the case may be. It's, it's not easy, but it's an option. Or it there, is an option. I mean, there's there's schooling, there's trade schooling, there's all other kinds of jobs that mm -hmm. I mean, when's I don't know the stats on any of it, but I mean, I'm sure there's lots of jobs that like certain specific job areas that Americans just aren't working in that job field even though it's a good paying job field and why not? Is that beneath us as Americans? And since when, ha since when has any sort of work been beneath us as Americans? Like we, this country was founded on hard work. Yeah. And now we're going to say, Hey, I'm not doing that job just because like, and I mean, I've had it in my own life. Like I didn't need to be, I could have gotten other jobs, but 
I was like, well, this is what I can do right now. And I could have done other things, but I chose not to. I think, I think millennials and Gen Z might be the hardest working generation. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for that eventually. Uh, like, cause don't get me wrong. The, don't get me wrong. The great, the greatest generation. Well, it's okay. It depends how you define work. Like the greatest generation, <laughs> yeah. meaning, you know, yours and my grandparents, they yeah. did all the hard work, meaning manual labor. Right. And now we have influencers like, and that's work. See, but right? we don't, but, but we, we have influencers. Yes. We have people who, who get, make money to flash in their tits. Right. Yeah. We have people who make money selling their feet and piss in a jar. That exists. <laughs> but we also have millennials and Gen Z working two or three jobs just to get by with mountains of debt and with no, with no prosperity of a home and no future mm. of buying a home. So both of those things yeah. work in tandem. So that's why I think they're the hardest work because they have to work harder than the Great Nation did to be able to get what they had. Yeah, and and you know I think we get a lot of flack for that. We do, or those generations get a lot of flack for that. But um, and some of it is our own fault, but a lot of it is the people raising us, you know, and the the policies we grew up with, like go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college. Yeah. You know, the, we grew up in that sort of system and society where college was the end all be all. Mm -hmm. And it really screwed a lot of people. And because for most of them, they're getting lots of loans and you know, you can, you can get to your career without having loans. You just can. And I think people are starting to refigure that out again yeah. and realize like, Hey, the people pushing college down our throats for years were just so excited that they were the first ones in their families to ever go to college that they thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And, but like, we don't all need to go to college. Right. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like you said, trade schools, influences. Do you, like, do you think you could do what you do without ever having, having gone to college? See me doing what I do. See, that's the thing. I was just going to ask you, I mean, you with you, what you do, what you <laughs> want to do, you a thousand percent have to go to college. Definitely yeah. me, what I'm doing talk on this microphone, like college helped. Don't get me wrong. Cause right. I learned how to use these things, but 80% of what I did at Hofstra, I don't use in the real world, like at all. Yeah. Like what I do for my nine to five day job, I didn't need to go to college. I could have, I could have honestly had an entry level job at that company, learn my way and then earn a full-time job over those three years instead of being in a mountain of debt. Yep. However, you know, I, I, just, I had this conversation with um, Mark Hirschberg, who was um, the author of the Career Toolkit on this exact topic, who, who does not need to go to college. Clip is on YouTube if you want to go watch it. Oh, shameless plug, hashtag shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but it's the idea of, you know, this, this lies on the shoulders of the individual who wants to go to college, but also the companies. Like companies are requiring every single job to have a bachelor's. doesn't matter what it's in, this you got to have one. If a company yeah. rolled the dice, it was like, listen, this job, we don't need a four-year degree. Let's take an 18-year-old kid fresh out of high school and teach them. That requires mm -hmm. more work and effort on the employer. And it's just easier to require someone from college degree, but you can pay them less and it makes sense, right? Like that's why entry-level jobs need to yeah. be we emerge, but you can't, that's never going to happen because the society is so well, fixed on going to college and companies are so fixed on college education. 
I, I think we're seeing a reversion back to some of that, you know, where companies are less concerned about your college degree. I, hope I mean, so. there's definitely, there's definitely areas where you still need one. Um, I mean, For sure. I, I don't sure. think too many engineering firms are going to hire nope. somebody, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, and I think COVID helped with that in an odd way too, is like it helped with, you know, working from home instead of going to an office. And I think and hope it's helping with the whole like college. What do you need that for? Like I, maybe I'm being optimistic and idealistic, but I, I feel like there's, getting back to that somewhat. I mean, I, I am very hopeful for the future because Hefe, this is America, right? This, we're the most innovative country in the world and we're going to always beat that. And we have that because we have freedoms for now and we have capitalism for now. Uh, but I want to put, <laughs> I want to put a nail on the head yeah. on this, uh, or put a nail on the board, whatever the fuck the made up expression is on minimum wage. I think minimum wage in general is very anti-capitalist. What if, there just wasn't a federal minimum wage, just period. Um, what would happen? Now, you would see a wage flux everywhere because you would see two people doing the same job in two different parts of the country for way different wages, like way different wages. I think the minimum wage should be completely gone because then it's just, okay, it's just literally between you and the employer. The employer's like, listen, this is the wage we're setting because that's the lowest we are legally allowed to, which is very yep. anti-capitalist because if someone's like, okay, I'm going to do a job posting for 250 good luck. You know, minimum wage is just an excuse in many right. aspects. And, and I think if you're going to mandate something <laughs> when it comes to free enterprise, maybe mandate something along the lines of uh, you have to set your wages based on um, – the standard of living or the living situation in your county, your state, yeah. whatever it may be. Like, if you want to mandate that, I'd, I'd consider something like that. But, you know, when you have, when, if you had states just, even just states setting their own wages, you would have movement because people are like, oh, I can do the same job in North Dakota and get paid three times the amount. Like, yeah, I live in North Dakota, but like, it's worth the money, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I agree. It's very interesting, Hefe. It's very interesting. I'm very glad you got your thesis on that. But let's go on to your law, th your law school thesis. Because it talks about baseball, baby. Opening Hell day yeah. is today. So uh, you passed the bar in July 2021. No, that's, that's, that's the wrong one. You wrote your law school thesis on MLB's takeover of MILB. Is that, uh, what's the MILB? Is that minor the, league the minor league baseball? Yeah. Um, and what and what, how they can learn from the NBA system. So, you know, you and me love sports. Uh, you love NBA more than I do, but I follow the NBA uh, a little bit. Celtics. <laughs> sure. I don't really follow the NBA <laughs> too much, but uh, baseball is my sport. So tell me about um, MLB buying. I didn't know that. I didn't know like the minor league wasn't part of the MLB already. So walk me through the thesis here and what your thinking was. Yeah. So um, a lot of the, I mean, I guess it happened. They, they had their full, their, they had their first full season under Major League Baseball's wing last year, but before that, Minor League Baseball was its own separate thing, and that's why you had so many. Um, I mean, you could have some of these MLB teams had like six different affiliates, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, they're privately owned. Um, and a lot of people like that. Um, I have a friend who works in minor league baseball. He thinks it was a great system. They just needed some more help from MLB. Um, not the help that they ended up receiving though, which was MLB basically doing a hostile takeover and saying, okay, here's how minor league baseball is going to be set up. You're going to get three or four affiliates to a team, no more, um, capping the number of players. And, but what you see now is, you know, minor league baseball players are going to get paid more. Um, I think better traveling, better living situations for a lot of them. And when I was writing and researching it, I really fell on the side of major league baseball, not because I necessarily think it's best for the game as a whole, um, especially not right now, maybe, but I think if they do it right, I think it'll work out really well. Um, because there were so many minor league teams that had either no attachment or a very small attachment to a major league club. And when you're having less than a thousand people show up at a, at a game, um, I can understand why MLB wanted to get their economic system a bit tighter, you know? Um, and gosh, dude, the amount of people that play professional baseball in America, what, like there, there was a lot of worry that MLB cutting back affiliates and everything would just tank a bunch of these small town teams. Right. And then you wouldn't have the fan, the fans, you wouldn't have the stadiums, you wouldn't have the players. And it's like, for the most part, as far as I know, all those, most of those teams still exist and you get players to play. You just are no longer affiliated with a major league baseball team. Yeah. And while that might suck, it doesn't prevent you from playing baseball. And honest to God, do we need that many professional baseball players? Like, I love minor league baseball. I really do. But I mean, at what point is it like, okay, I could go watch the Tuscaloosa Mudcats or I could go watch a college game or a T-ball game. Like, so I think what they did in MLB taking over minor league baseball is a lot. I hope it's trending towards what the NBA has done with the G league, um, which was formerly the D league because that system is working terrific. They have one G League team per uh, NBA team. The NBA team has ownership in their affiliates. And you see G League players in the NBA all the time. You're getting better crowds for G League games. Um, The talent level is superb. Um, And it's just working really well. So I think as long as MLB keeps treating the minor league system well, I think it'll work out really well. I hope so. I mean, I'm I'm scared for the future of baseball. Yeah. Um, I'm more scared for it at the MLB level, though. Yeah, MLB level, you know? of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you, and me, you and me both love baseball. Baseball is my sport of always. I'm always going to love baseball. Mm-hmm. But it's getting harder and harder to defend baseball. Yeah, well, Manfred. <laughs> uh, yeah, the MLB is just such a garbage organization. Uh, this past lockout really angered me, and I'm glad opening day is today. I'm glad they kind of at the eleventh hour figured something out. 
Because now that baseball is back, the negotiations and the dirt and the grossness that was behind it is kind of just washed away. And they fixed the DH rule and the extra innings rule, so that's a big plus. But the popularity behind baseball is fading. Um, And the minor leagues is so important to the game of baseball because that's where all of your prospects are. That is a big key part of major league trades, right? That is, Mm -hmm. it's, it's integral. And and that's where the, that's where the real fans are too. You know, like the real baseball fans are going out to, you know, 10 plus minor leagues, minor league games every season, if not season ticket holders in their small towns and watching these guys. And then, wow, that guy like, is now playing Major League Baseball. Like, it's a huge part of the game. Are the, are the Pelicans still in Myrtle Beach? Do you know? Yeah, they're uh, they're actually um, here in Charleston. Opening days tomorrow, so I'm gonna go watch them. Who are they? The Braves minor league. The Pelicans. Yeah. Do you know? I think I think it's. Let me Google. I think it's the Braves. I remember. I remember going to. Um, I, there was a lot of switchover, I think, when they um, when MLB did the buyout because, like, Charleston Riverdogs, they used to be the Yankees. Oh, it's then... the Cubs. Singly affiliate the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember going to their stadium when I was a kid the first time I went to um, uh, Myrtle Beach. But I'm glad they're still there. Uh, yeah. In New York, we have... Um, Trenton Thunder. Trenton Thunder. That's well, Jersey. Jersey, uh, yeah. The, the Mets single A is... I forget their team name, but they're on Coney Island. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in wow. in New York City, so that's they're a lot of fun. The Mets single A team. Yeah, isn't that the one the uh, impractical impractical jokers always go out to? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean it's easy. Um, it's, it's it's cheap. It's great for kids. It's a great family event. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be going there a decent amount this summer, hopefully. But Somerset Patriots, I think they're also a Yankee affiliate now, right? I I only know the Trenton Thunder. I remember they got rid of the Clippers a year a while ago. The Columbus Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a damn shame. But I'm glad baseball is back. Let's go Yanks. Um, where did you? Where did you? Where did you land on the lockout? Would you more on the players' side? Honestly, I didn't follow it too heavy. It's like, listen, the players are all millionaires. The owners are all billionaires. Are billionaires? I don't give a fuck about your money disputes. Just play baseball. I really right. don't. I really yeah. don't give a fuck. All right, I got so much student debt. I don't care about you complaining about millions and billions. Don't care. Yeah. I gotta be careful because as someone who wants to be an agent, I, I suppose you, I should I you, should really you, you stick can, to you, the player side the of things. You can plead the fifth. I understand. If you don't want to <laughs> no, say anything, I, you don't want to say anything. I do want to say it because I, I I didn't follow the back and forth all that closely, but then when they you know eleventh hour, like you said, decided to play ball, it really seemed like the owners had taken everything the players wanted and agreed to it. Yeah, and I was like. Well, why the hell did you bitch and moan for three weeks and waste our opening two weeks to just end up agreeing with everything that they put on the table? It, I think there's probably some owners that want to shorten the season Definitely. and they're, lo- they're looking at March and April. Like we don't make money in these months. Like the entire Northeast Midwest, those teams don't make jack shit yeah, it's during cold. <laughs> right. And like, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think, I mean, you're playing baseball and you're getting $300 million contract. Like 
275 guaranteed. I, I don't, it's hard for me to. With no salary cap. There's no salary right. cap in baseball. Like if yeah. the one thing baseball as a sport should not complain about ever, it's money. Right. Other, and, other and, than the fact that, you know, there is, there is, the only problem with money is that some teams have more money than others. Like Yankees are always going to have the biggest budget and like LA is always going to have the biggest budget. Yeah, but. Well, have you has that helped the Yankees? Not the last recently. Fifteen years. Not recently. Not recently. Yeah. You know, baseball. Baseball is a proof that you can't really buy a world championship. Like, look at look at the Braves last year. Which look at the Nationals two years ago. It, it it's I've become more and more um, intolerant of Yankee haters as the years have gone by because growing up it was always oh you guys buy championships buy championships buy championships and then the red sox had about a 10-year run where guess what they spent a shit ton of money to get their rings now the dodgers are spending every penny they have yes they had developed some really good players but they're spending a ton of money they've won once they've won once um they have they have they they have a fucking all-star team and they've the, won once. They have three uh, MVPs, FA. The, they have three the, MVPs. The White Sox and Padres have spent so much money the last five years. Yeah. Nothing to show for it. Yep. Um, the Mets, who I wish Steve Cohen was the owner of the Yankees right now because he would I, – like, I, as a Yankees fan, I want my owner to, to do that because I don't give a shit about people saying, oh, you buy championships. Okay, if we do, great, because everyone else is trying to as well. You so still I love play the game, what man. the Mets owners. I love what the Mets owner is doing. I just I feel a little bit sorry for him because the Mets aren't going to do anything because of the Mets. Like yeah, Degrom's so already like, hurt. Go ahead and <laughs> Degrom's already go hurt. Ahead, <laughs> go ahead and have a three hundred billion dollar payroll if you want. You're the Mets, like you're not going to win. So See, the Mets is where your career goes to die. All right, that's just yeah. what happens. Look at look at Johan Santana. Look at Delgado. And, uh, look at Beltron. Look at literally anyone else who goes who goes to the Mets. But I mean, no. The revenues in baseball, for as much as we want to talk about how the game is suffering, the revenues keep going up year after year. So I don't, I really don't think the owners or the players have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to changes to the game. Like when it comes to finances, now, if they're going to debate rules, have at it. You know, that's a debate worth having. Like the DH rule, I'm cool right. with universal DH. They but you passed- got it. Go ahead. You've, you've got to agree on the rules that benefit the game as far as fans go. So, and you, and you have to find a way to incorporate the old school fans, which is the vast percentage of baseball fans that are still paying for tickets these days. Baseball fans are very try, conservative about their baseball. And then trying to attract new fans, which is this whole experiment with runners on second and in, in extra innings. Nope. Dumb, <sighs> dumb, dumb, a, dumb, as, dumb, dumb. As like a as like a old school baseball fan, absolutely hated it. And I hope to God anyone who was new to baseball did not become a fan because some runner was on second next yeah, if, if, like, if you've got a casual fan like someone used to play baseball as a kid, they're like, This is what I did in fifth grade. Like yeah. these are professionals, stupid. The seventh inning right. rule for a first game of a doubleheader, stupid. Because now a fans get a two thirds of the game. Like I, I mean, I remember going to baseball games as a kid, and every single game I went to, I was hoping it would be extra innings. Same. Like, free every baseball. Single, like, every single game I've gone to, it's like this is going by way too fast. You watch, you yeah. know this? It's commercials. Commercials make the slow the game down. They well, really does. No, I mean they always talk about speed of the game, and I'm like, 
what is much what is so different about watching a three hour baseball game and watching an NFL football game that is inevitably three hours long? Yeah. Like, yeah, the, there's a difference between on field action, but that's another thing. Like baseball, I, I think, yeah, it does have its really intense moments, but over a nine inning game, it's it's really a relaxing sports event. Yeah. Like go out to a ballpark on a Sunday afternoon and just like relax. It's, it's awesome. It's the best. Um, you can drink for yeah. like seven innings. <laughs> <laughs> right. So but, but to, yeah. also, to your point, you see all these gray hairs, most of them because mm-hmm. of playoff baseball. It's <laughs> fucking stressful. Yeah. It, and but, it's agonizing. Yeah. So getting back to the rules though, and, and the speed of the game, my thing has always been the pitcher and they keep flirting around with like the pitch clock. I'm no like, pitch clock. I, I, yeah, but I'm so tired of seeing a pitcher take a half hour on the mound to throw a pitch. Yeah. Like, I mean, I never played beyond high school, but like, get up there and pitch the ball. Like, yeah. I, and the whole sign stealing thing, like, come on. Like, as a Yankees fan, we caught the worst of it. And I still, like, I don't really care that much. Like, if somebody's on second trying to steal your signs, figure out a way to not. Yeah, don't Let him steal don't, your signs. Don't your or the pitches. next time, or the next time his ass is up on the plate, beat him. Like, yeah. play baseball, stop it through baseball. Yeah. Like, just yeah. just change your signs. If you're tipping, uh, I mean, if you're tipping, that's on you. The whole garbage yeah. can thing, that was some bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. That was some bullshit. Um, although I disagree with Cashman to say something like that, like. You know, did you hear his comments recently? Yeah, he was like, you know, yeah. our 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 one of the, like our he was making excuses for why they haven't won a championship in ten years. And they're blaming right. the and Astros. It's just we like, haven't. There was one year we didn't win a World Series because of the Astros. Well, how about the other twelve years? Yeah, like remember that season where everyone was hurt, like for the whole season. Did you fire I'm, your whole like health staff? You you should have. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean. As a fan, that's something we noticed, right? That there was like a four-year period where the Yankees were not healthy every single year. Yeah. And then the rest of the league, they don't seem to be having nearly as many injury problems. Yeah. And so as for as much talent as we had during that time, we couldn't beat anybody because our best players weren't on the field. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's something going on with them. I mean, you can't just have that much bad luck, right? Yeah. Like there has to be something medically. But even this past year, dude, when was what was the best stretch of baseball the Yankees played this past season? Uh, it was end of the summer. Yeah, and who was playing? Everybody. No, but I mean, like, uh, oh, Andrew Vasquez. Um, like we had a, we had a bunch of stars hurt. Maybe not all at once, but we had them hurt. And we were playing baseball with singles, doubles, stealing bases. There yeah. was like a three. There was like a three week stretch where the Yankees led the M- MLB in stolen bases, and we won the most games of our season during that three week stretch. Then our big guys got healthy. We went back to slugging, and it basically fell apart. Well, that's a problem with the it, Yankees. It, like John Carlo so, got really hot at the end of the season. Judge started to heat up, but you got a whole team of power hitters that no one right, gets right. on base. Handed. Right-handed power hitters. Right-handed power hitters. And then DJ had a terrible year. He batted 260 yeah. last year. Right. Glaber Which, had an off year. And you can't blame DJ for that because he's Mr. 300 every other season. So, fine. He well, had he a down paid. year. So he doesn't give a fuck anymore. He got well, paid. 
I mean, I think he's just a ball player. So I don't think he cares about the money that much. But I hope so. I, mean, I need him. I want him to have a good year this year. I'm very Judge, hopeful for the Yankees this year. Judge is a stud. Stanton, when he plays in the outfield, is a stud. He's a terrible DH. When he plays the field, he's a stud. Um, but they need balance, dude. He, like, all of our pitchers were hurt during that stretch, too. Yeah. And whoever was filling in for the pitchers, like, they just hauled ass and made it work, but we were stealing bases. We were getting on base any way possible. And we won games. It's you can't, I think the Yankees are suffering from the analytics as much as the Rays are benefiting from analytics, which is like we're in bizarro world. Dude, but, I, I love watching the Rays play baseball. Like I hate the Rays cause they're a division rival, but they play great baseball. And Kevin yeah. Cash is a, Phenomenal manager. Well, yeah, I don't know. They have stretches of great baseball. I also don't I think mean, Boone's a good manager. I don't. I do not like Aaron Boone. I fluctuate on him, but I mean, I, I watched the the Rays play two games against the Dodgers in the World Series, and I mean that whole World Series, they were somehow competitive, but their team batting average during that World Series was well below two hundred. I mean, but like you said, Kevin Cash coaches the hell out of that team. They do everything right with their pitchers. They find guys who get paid two hundred grand a year and make the All Star team. Like, it's it's wild. And they don't get rid of their prospects. Like w- Wandy, well, what's his name? Wando Franco. Franco. Wander Franco. Yeah. Like that guy's gonna be a stud. Like the Rays have always had a really good farm system, and they keep them. Well, they keep them long enough to, you know, make a run. And then, yeah. and then they collapse they, in the yeah. World Series. I don't know. I like the Rays. The AL East, even the Blue Jays, are the Blue Jays aren't going to make the playoffs. Well, they might now because the playoffs are different. I don't like how they expanded the playoffs. I mean, I was, I was just getting used to the one wild card game because it's like, all right, that, that makes, it makes sense. It took me a year yeah. or two to warm up to it, but it's like, okay, two wild card teams, and they play a one-game playoff, it's like, it makes you, it's a bigger incentive to win a division. But I don't like how the wild card team automatically plays, I forget how it works. That one team end up playing, I think, the best team or is in their division. I forget how it works. But, like, they should play the team with the best record, wild card team. My, my biggest pet peeve with playoffs in general, but you see it in baseball, I feel like, more than any other sport is – divisional teams playing each other in the first round yes, of the playoffs. I hate crazy. it. I hate crazy. it so much. Yeah. If you are a divisional opponent, you should not ever be allowed to play a divisional opponent in the first round of the playoffs. It's yeah. absurd. Like, okay, so the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Rays are all playoffs teams. Let's watch three of them play each other in the first. Like, that's absurd. I mean, there's got to be a way to set it up. And, and I think that's probably a problem of having the multiple wild cards now is you're going to see even more of that than you even used to before. And honestly, as a Yankees fan, I'm like, you know, I think we kind of need the incentive to like bust your ass to win the division. Yeah. You have to win like, the division because the wild card is not the route for us. No. Like if, if we have that safety net, we just, it, it's, it, it takes away that incentive to win the division. And I think for the Yankees that, that's why I don't like Boone is I don't think he has that. It's such like a, they operate like such a business nowadays, man. Yeah. There's none of the fire. There's none of the passion. There's none of the, 
we're the Yankees, we're going to kick your ass. Like, none of that. It, it's interesting. But baseball as a whole, it's very passionate. These young guys, like um, Acuna on the Dodgers, Tatis on the Padres, um, yeah. Harper, Trout, Otani, like baseball has character again. Right. Even Which the Red Sox. The Red Sox have character. It's why it's why it's it makes it even sadder that Manfred is screwing all this up because the league is littered with superstars and they're wasting away in a league that you know we I would argue that Major League Baseball has the most and best young superstars maybe other yep. than the NBA mm-hmm. and it's just going to total waste like are you ever going to see this much young talent like they're so below talented. thirty talent they're so ta- they're all so good. Like they're just incredibly good. It's absurd how talented and charismatic and marketable these fucking and, guys are. And um, international, you know? Yeah. Like it's not it's not just a bunch of American dudes running out there. It's Otani. It's Acuna. I mean, it's a cool – like you have – I feel like if David Stern was running MLB the last 15 years, it would have skyrocketed. I mean, um, Judge has character, but he doesn't show it that much. Like he's he's a good face for baseball, but he, yeah, he is. It's like he. I feel like he's holding back who he could be as a player and but as a, a personality. He reminds me of of Jeter, except Jeter still had that Yankees like we're gonna kick your ass type attitude, and yeah. Judge I think is infected with this new school Yankee system of. It's just business, and we show up and we expect to win. Yeah. Like, you can't show up expecting to win because you're wearing the pinstripes. You show up wearing the pinstripes and say, we're going to kick your ass, and if we don't, we're going to figure out how. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, God, dude, the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, where the hell is that gone? Like, you got boys, you know, being boys and giving handshakes and, like, I don't want to see handshakes. Like I want to go to a freaking Yankee stadium and be in a fight with fans. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with the players being boys. That that's no problem to me. I mean, the rivalry is always going to be there. I mean, the rivalry now is more competitive than it is personal. And I don't think that's a bad thing. We don't need players fighting anymore. I mean, I mean, it's more Look, fun when not, a- it's more I'm fun. Not- it's more fun when Ewan gets his ass kicked by Veritas. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, I'm not advocating for you know people to constantly be rushing the mound and stuff. But I mean, if you can't play hard nosed baseball and and dislike the other guys because they're on the other team, not because they're bad dudes, but like, hey, you're wearing a Red Sox uniform. I'm not going to treat you like a friend, like. That it's the same thing in the NBA with the Celtics Lakers. It's the same. Yeah. I think football has held on to it a little better. And then, you know, hockey, obviously they can still punch people. So, um, but I just, I look across baseball and when your best rivalry doesn't really come across as a rivalry, that's a big sign to me that the sport as a whole is kind of not where it should be. Yeah. It's not a draw anymore. I mean, I'll still go to the games, but... Yeah, I I love the games. Also, MLB isn't good on social media. Like, Instagram, they're getting better. Um, but they're behind. Like, yeah, I know baseball I know. fans who, who are big baseball fans like I am, and they're, 
they're like, they don't sell the game. They don't yeah. sell the sport. And uh, I heard, I heard Mark Cuban talk about that recently. And he was saying that MLB is the perfect sport for TikTok. Yeah. Um, it's home with runs. Short, short clips of highlights. Yeah. Home runs, strikeouts, whatever. Um, and, you know, he <clears throat> was talking about how like, the NFL does red zone and how MLB should do red zone where you can pay, you know, to watch your, your favorite player or your favorite team at a certain point, like check in, you know, stuff like that. And they're just, we have the technology that's being used by everybody and MLB is like, Oh, Hey, let's put a runner on second and extra. And he's like, what are we doing? You got old, you got old men living in a young man world. That's just FA. That's just the way it is. But man, we've been talking for an hour 20 now. Um, anything else you want to add before we go? I just want to see the Yankees win, man. I do too. I think, I don't know if they're World Series team. I got to see him play. We need a big year from DJ. We need a big year from um, Cole. And I'm curious to see what Rizzo and Donaldson do. Yeah. Um, I wish I could say I'm optimistic, but unless I see it on the field, I'm not going to be thrilled with the current roster. They'll make the playoffs. It's, it's always a matter of how far will they As if go. the playoffs matters to Yankees fans. <laughs> yeah, right. That doesn't mean shit. Um, but Hefe, last question always goes to the guest. Is there anything you've ever wanted to ask me? Now is the chance. You can always I mean, I'd like to ask you a lot, honestly, because I'm really interested in how your career is taking off with podcasting. And All right, go for it. You know, we could fuck it. I'll go for another hour. Ask me questions. <laughs> go ahead. Ask yeah, away. Well, what do you got? I mean, you know, I feel like in this day and age, everybody thinks they can be an influencer or a podcaster or whatever. And I, you know, if it doesn't come across your mind, you're probably not normal. And it's definitely come across my mind. Like, Hey, why, like, why shouldn't I do a podcast? But you obviously have some background in, you know, journalism, broadcasting, communications, that sort of thing. But like, how you didn't just start ambiguous and all that like you it's been a few years and you've led up to this so like how did all that happen how okay how did ambiguous start uh i was unemployed um so let me go let me go back a little further actually um i knew i was going to become unemployed in a matter of time um and i was lucky that time lasted about eight months before i actually got fired or let go um so I started this podcast, a podcast, in February 2015. So podcasting was always in my back pocket, and I did. A, I started a podcast to put it on a resume to stand out. Um, and then I had this idea for a podcast network, um, like three shows on one feed and three individual feeds, and that turned into, okay, let's do it. Let's just, let's just do it. So I had two friends doing podcasts, my own podcast. I think I started a third podcast or a second podcast. And we kind of vaguely did it. It's like I, need an, I need a name for this. And my buddy Ricky had a blog or has a blog called Ambiguous Tales of an Epic Nature. And for some reason, the word ambiguous stuck out to me. I was like, ambiguous. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be producing podcasts for people. Right, or making podcasts, people doing podcasts. Podcasts, like, what is a podcast? The podcast is very ambiguous in and of itself. So I came yeah. up with the name uh, Ambiguous Network for the podcast network. 
Um, you know, then it was ambiguous productions. And then once uh, Jared and Nash came in, Jared's like, we got to change name to ambiguous podcast solutions. Cause he does stuff on the marketing side, Nash does stuff on the tech side. So like, all right, ambiguous podcast solutions. Um, and this was 2019. Well, that was later in, I was actually late 2019. So I ended up getting hired at my current job, nine to five in August of 2019. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm a contractor. They told me I wasn't gonna work 40 hours a week so I could still do APS. Um, and then eventually this kind of built, it just build and build and build. Now, I always had the idea for what I wanted, but the idea of how to do it and then the technology, RSS feeds, networks, the ecosystem, social media, the bubbles you're seeing around you, that just took years and years of, okay, how can we make this better? How can I do this? How can I do that? Eventually, I bought this mixer over here. I ended up buying this microphone to up my quality. Like, I'm finally, because when I first started podcasting in 2015, I always wanted to record in multi-track like I was doing at WRHU. Um, but I didn't, have the, I didn't have the infrastructure to physically do it. So once I got this mixer, I could do that and I could do. I mean, they were booing Ray Mysterio. Who boos Ray Mysterio? I can do stuff like that. I can do soundboards. Yeah. Like that's stuff I've always wanted to do. So in terms of production quality, I'm always thinking of how to upgrade. And now yeah. it's thinking, okay, I want to do different backgrounds <laughs> like this. I want to end up, I, I could go live. I could press a button right now and we go live. I'm not going to do that, but I could do that. Yeah. You know, I got a studio partner in Montclair, New Jersey. I'm going to start doing live podcasts once a week in studio. Um, and just try and develop that. It's always, okay, how can I just make my content better? How can I make it towards the business? And how can I sell that to other people? It's like, if you wanted a podcast, I could do this for you. I could create a podcast just like this with similar and graphics for you. And me doing this podcast is a proof of concept for someone else. It's an inspiration gotcha. for someone else. And it's a lot of fucking fun. I do podcasting because yeah. it's fun. I do it because I like to do it and it's fun. And I'm trying to figure out a way to make it my all-time profession. Because also when I was working at that job, I knew I was going to get fired from. I need a backup plan. Yeah. So the only true backup plan is yourself. So I doubled down and bet on myself. And I'm, it's still a work in progress. Um, it's very hard. It's very frustrating. Um, but I love it. It's a lot of fun. So do you do, do you do full time now? I do this. I do both full time. Uh, both. I, I work. If you consider this work, <laughs> probably 10 hours a day, if not more, probably more just like editing entirely for yourself. No combined. Okay. So I'm, I'm still a contractor, so I can do both. There's no conflict gotcha. of interest there. Um, like I'll, I'll wake up early in the morning. I stay up later. I usually cut off. I usually stop working period on anything around nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Um, and I go to, I am in bed by 11. So like I, I try and segment my life, but I work on podcasts probably just as much as I do my regular nine to five job, which is also creating content, live content. Do you, do you care about the audience, audience size? Like, or is that just like, hey, we got to start out somewhere and as long as the production keeps getting better and better, we'll get there eventually. I mean, every, anyone who makes content cares about their audience size. Like, if you say you don't, you're lying. Not only to everyone else, but you're lying to yourself. But what I mean to, to deem it worth it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, if you, if, like, I, someone's like, well, who is your audience? It's like, well, me. 
You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I make I make content for me. You know, I wanted you to be on here because I want to talk to you. And I think people who know you or know us, I'm going to send this to Roman. I bet he's 50-50 chance for actually listen to it. Especially yeah. when you see it's almost two hours, he's probably not. But, yeah. you know, like I put it out there especially on LinkedIn, so people who see it might listen to it. So my audience right now from starting is me, people who know me, and then they can expand out from there because I, I do want to talk to this, – this, this, this podcast, Talk with Tarashuk, is my variety show. It's my best impression of Joe Rogan where I speak to anyone I find interesting, mm -hmm. um, whether it's people in my life, friends, family. We just talk and fuck around. I didn't write any notes for this. Yeah. I just, we're just talking. Um, but some people like off like I mentioned Mark Hirschberg earlier. I had a whole bunch of notes for him. Life coaches I had a bunch of notes for them. That firefighter and military man I talked to, I had notes for him. Um, and when I find more guests and networking events, I'm gonna have notes for them. But in terms of building an audience, I care, but I don't care because it's not my job in the most basic of sense. Because I don't understand social media. Like if my posts seem a little wonky to you, like on across social media, it's like, why is he posting this? Cause I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah. Um, but I, like I have someone on my team that does marketing. And once we're ready, we'll do a marketing push behind the shit I make. But the audience, it's not my main focus. My main focus is the content and making it good and making it better. That's my main focus. In some, in, I think if you're creating content, you can't focus so much on the audience. You got to focus more on the content. Yeah, I, I know. I've heard, I've heard some people say like, "Oh, if you have a, if you have a phone, you can do, you can create whatever content you want." And then other people are like, "Well, um, you know, to really produce something of where is their value, like you got to have." you gotta, it's gotta be like your full-time thing. You can't just half-ass a podcast. So that to me seems kind of conflicting where like, okay, you have a phone, you can create content, but like you can't half-ass a good podcast. Like which one <laughs> yeah. is it? You know, you know, you know there's a lot of, the answer is both. The answer, the answer is both. Like you, you can have a podcast on your phone. You can record on your phone. You can upload through your phone. You can do everything through your phone. You can do that. Will, will people <laughs> listen to it? It's got to be really fucking good if you're going to do it through your yeah. phone. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Like, out of all the podcasts listened to, none of them are done on their phone. Yeah. You can do it. Should you do it? I'd be like, no, probably not. Because the audio quality probably going to sound like ass. Mm -hmm. um, but should you start with this setup I have? I have? I'm on two computers right now. I have a laptop over here recording audio and my desktop doing video. Should you do that starting off? No, absolutely not. If you're going to start out, you probably should do it on your phone. Because... COVID had a big spring of podcasts and most yeah. of them quit after six weeks mm -hmm. because they don't realize how much work it is because it is yeah. a lot of work. They do it for seven, seven years. Like I've been doing it. You gotta be dedicated um, yeah. just to do it. What keeps me doing it? I have no idea. <laughs> to be honest, I have no idea why I keep doing it. Yeah. I just, I just like talking on the microphone. I like, this is how I express myself and I feel my like I'm my I'm putting my best self forward when I'm doing podcasts I feel most close to who I really am when I do a podcast so in that sense I don't care who listens or who doesn't listen because I'm happy with who I am doing it it really seems like an avenue where 
if you have any sort of personality, it has the potential to take off. Yeah. Like I know the podcast I listen to, you know, I don't listen to it because it's necessarily in my mind, well-produced. It's just people talking, maybe not even about things I'm always interested in, but mm -hmm. I enjoy listening to them talk about whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll watch your podcast because it's you talking or you have a really interesting guest on like, so, you know, I, I understand why people think they can do it. Um, but yeah, I guess if, if the average Joe's goal is to like, Hey, get sponsored and like have a Spotify podcast, like, and you you can't really half-ass that. No, that's that. And it, you gotta understand it takes a long time. Um, yeah. Podcasting is a great networking tool. It is a great sales tool. It is a great tool for a business. It is a great source of additional income for a business, but that business needs to have a budget and a, a goal and a design behind it. If they don't have that kind of marketing push, they're going to be just like everybody else because the podcasting is the essence of free market. You know, it's yeah. very hard to rig a podcast game because there is no legacy. You know, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, that's legacy media. They're going to be around forever, whether you like it or not. But at the same time, CNN Plus and Fox Nation are going to fail epically. You know, yeah. they, they are on a different algorithm for YouTube because they're authoritative sources. What the fuck that means? <laughs> but without that algorithm push and them being propped up, yeah. they're just like everyone else. So... Mm -hmm. It really is a free market of ideas and who's going to win. And I don't know what's going to take off. I don't know. Because you never know what's going to trend until it trends. Yeah. So, so it's like, what should I talk about? It's just like, talk about anything. You can talk about literally anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious in your opinion. I, I think really, at least for me as a listener, <clears throat> the main ingredient for a podcast is – don't be an echo chamber. Like people that are in there talking with people that are just bouncing the same ideas and there's no disagreement. There's no back and forth. I don't want to listen to that. Like, yeah. you know, I can go find people that agree with me and talk to them or whatever. Like I want to hear some disagreements, something to make it interesting. Um, and that's why, I mean, like the main idea I've had personally is one of my friends, we disagree on, pretty much everything i'm like we should do a podcast because you know you get to hear both sides of literally every topic in the world yeah um and that's when you have content that is just two people sitting there nodding heads it gets really old really quick so some people ask me um what should i talk about or you know when should i start a podcast and you just gave the answer whenever you're walking through life and you go this should be a podcast. There you go. There's your podcast. Now go do it. Um, someone's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer, right? Why should I have a podcast? Or I'm a chef. Why should I have a podcast? Or I'm a financial advisor. Why should I have a podcast? And the answer is different for all of them. So like, like a lawyer, right? If you're a lawyer, um, your podcast can be as simple as you talk about historical cases, um, current cases, like you could have done a whole breakdown of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. You could do the OJ trial, the Michael Jackson trial. Um, 
any other trial, like the Supreme Court nominations, that's pretty much a trial, right? Then as a legal expert, you break that down and then you run ads on your legal law firm or you run ads on what you do as a lawyer. Or if you're a chef, you talk about food or you talk about baseball and you run local ads on your podcast about your restaurant. Or if you're a financial advisor, you know, the main thing you want is people in the door and what the fuck are you going to talk to them when they're in the door? Free shit you would talk to them anyway. There you go. There's your fucking podcast. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Like, whatever, you, if you're, like, if you're a salesman, yeah. whatever you would give away for free, that's your podcast. If you are someone who deals with clients and you want testimonials, there's your podcast. If you're looking for reviews, there's your podcast. If you work with people, ask them to be on your podcast. I interviewed my old boss last week. You know how weird that was? She's the woman, <laughs> the woman who hired me. Um, and she left. You know, we're good, we're friends, so it's fine. But, you know, like I might interview my current boss. Because we're close, and I think it would be really yeah. cool. I had her on my other. I had her on my old podcast, American Minutes. So, like, possibilities are endless. If you're thinking you should do it, you should probably do it. But no, it's a lot of work, and you might not get the return you want right away, especially as an individual with a broke budget. Yeah, yeah. So you just remind remind me of two more questions I have for you. First, Will Smith. Chris Rock. <laughs> it's going to be dated by the time this airs, I hope. Um, it was real. I know you think it was fake, but it was real. It was definitely real. And here's why. So, here's why. Because the main thing for me is the censors. Will Smith blatantly said fuck on live TV twice. Yeah. Without it getting beeped. If it was staged, mm. they would have known it was coming. Plus, there's a delay. So they would have got it. Well, I mean, American television, I'm almost positive it was beeped. Did it? I didn't watch yeah, the Oscars live. Because but every people, people found out about it from, I think, um, Japanese and Australian television, I think is where we got the uncensored clips hmm. from what I saw. Interesting. So no TV has the delay. I should know that working yeah. on TV. But the fact that it wasn't bleeped immediately makes me think it was real. But then again, he won an Oscar 20 minutes later and they let him give a speech. So... Well, <laughs> Maybe not. Right. And, and so honestly, I, every step of the way with each new development, I was like, Oh, it kept becoming more and more convinced that it was fake. The only thing I've seen recently that I has made me second guess that is with the directors of the Oscars now kind of coming down on Will Smith or, you know, I don't even know if they have punished him at all. It just sounded like they were pretty upset. He was, he resigned from the Academy, but they, I mean, I just, I feel like you, you, you add things up, like the ratings were in the tank. You got a Chris Rock tour that, no, he doesn't need help selling tickets, but it's not going to hurt. Um, Will Smith is winning best actor. So why don't you let him go up there and prove it even more? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, 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 and I like Will Smith. Yeah. I, I was, you know, before this, I was rooting for him to win the Oscar. I think and, he's a great actor and he deserves an Oscar years ago. Chris and Will have history. There's the whole Jada thing and the affair and all that, which if it was real, Chris Rock has the most self-control of any man in the world for not, I mean, yeah, it would have been an easy joke, but like, come on, we all know what he was thinking. And like, 
if it was fake, Chris Rock is in my mind, he has risen to new heights. I just, I don't believe it was, it was real. I think, I think the Oscars needed it too much and they found the perfect way to, I mean, for God's sake, it's Hollywood, right? So like, they can make it feel as real as they need to. They're not going to tell any of the other audience members. Like, I also don't think Hollywood is smart enough to work the audience like that. I don't think the actual people, because they're so far up their own ass in Hollywood. <laughs> like they, they think the shit they shit out their assholes is made of gold. When it's just, it's shit that smells just like everyone else's. Like, that's why I didn't watch this year. Because, like, I, it's, I, and I didn't see any of the movies. Didn't care for any of the movies. All the movies are fucking yeah. sad and depressing. It's just like, they're all making a statement. It's just like yeah. what Ricky Gervais said it back. Well, Don't come up here and make your fucking speeches. Come up here, get your little award and fuck off. Yeah. And, and I think to me that that was another reason why it feels like a setup is because there were so many, um, so many productions that people just weren't interested in and, and people getting awards for things that a large portion of the country doesn't necessarily see eye to eye on that they kind of wanted to mask kind of the historic parts of these things with some scandal to a, maybe people will tune in next year and the Oscars will be relevant again, but B, Hey, there's a lot of, we're pushing politics and social issues down to people's throat in every single film we pump out. So here's a way to kind of slip that through and make it relevant for the people that hate us because of that. Well, again, if the Oscars wanted, again, maybe they, are, maybe they are stupid enough to do something like this. If the Oscars wanted ratings, do you know what they do? They, they should have given Spider-Man No Way Home Best Picture. Done. Everyone would watch it. You think? I do. I do. Because, huh. I mean, Holly, I mean, everything's, everything is political. I'm sorry. Everything is political. But yeah. it really is an allegory to where we are as a country. You got the elites. Hollywood is full of the elites. Who is this so disconnected from the reality in the world that everyone else lives in? So they're nominating these movies because their art, their soul, they say something. But also, no one gives a fuck about them other than people in their circles. So if you want people outside of your circle, you got to let people in your circle. Like you got yeah, to you got to nominate not... movies that are actually popular. Like you got you need to tell me Spider-Man was one of the was the highest grossing movie of the entire year. People love it. Rave reviews from critics and the audience. It doesn't get nominated for anything other than like editing. That why think... then you're surprised no one watches your show? I don't they're, think they're, they're disconnected. That, yeah, they are, but they're not interested in letting people into their circle. They're, they're interested on pushing people into their circle. Yeah, then like, don't then don't complain about ratings. Then again, well, get your head out of your own ass. Then that's never gonna happen. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, then fuck you and fuck your club. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, I don't want to be in your club. That's 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 another thing. Like, I think about this a lot as a business owner. Like, say, because, like, the, the goal of APS is to go public, mm-hmm. right? And when you go public, you become super wealthy. 
And me being a podcaster, I'm going to be a person. If I'm successful, I'm going to be a person of interest, which means I'm going to be exposed to those circles I want nothing to do with. Yeah. And a fear of mine is how is money going to change me? It's easy for me to say now that it's not going to, but that's also because I have no money. In, com- in comparison, I have right. money, but in, yeah. com- in comparison, Absolutely. I mean, like it's easy to say I'm going to, I would run a company and have higher wages. I would run a company and let them unionize. I would have a company yeah. and be fair, pay time off until you have that company and you don't do any of those things. So, which is why Joe Rogan is so important because he makes everyone that wants to believe them about themselves, believe that it can happen because he just goes out there and says whatever the fuck he wants yeah. and makes all the money. He, he's a two man so, team. It's him and Jamie. That's it. Yeah. And then security and team for his studio. That's it. I mean, what he, he didn't need Spotify to begin with. No. And so if Spotify is like, uh, dude, you're out. He'll be like, cool. See you later. Like, and, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. He's I mean, like, you're, in, about- you're in breach of contract. I'm going to get paid and then go make more money on my own. Talk about capitalism, man. Like yeah. he's the shining star of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you pay attention to golf at all? No, not at all. No, I don't either. But Tiger Woods, man, playing the masters this week. Is he back? So, yeah, dude. He shot one under today. Um, that's the thing. I don't pay attention to golf at all, but as soon as you throw Tiger Woods in there, I'm like, I watched the, the full 18 holes today for the first time in my life because Tiger Woods was playing. And I wish, I wish other sports had an athlete like him because golf owes their entire existence to Tiger Woods. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah, no kidding, no, no shit. <laughs> like if ba- if baseball had a Tiger Woods, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about oh, like we need changes. Like, well, we did. It was Babe Ruth. Yeah, and he. But the problem was that was in you know nineteen twelve. Nineteen oh three. Yeah, like you know what I mean, like that was the origin of baseball, and then he died young. So yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, basketball had Jordan, even though that was in the nineties, and basketball around for like forty years. You know, we got golf has Tiger. Football had Joe Montana, Tom Brady, um, and a few others. But, yeah, generational talent. But Tiger Woods, I will say Tiger Woods stands above all of those athletes. Absolutely. He's done more for his sport than any other athlete in the world. The only one I can think of that comes close is Michael Phelps, and still nobody gives a shit about swimming. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'd even make the argument for Hulk Hogan, <laughs> but wrestling isn't a real sport. Well, actually, that brings up – Another question. You didn't you have I thought you were like big in the wrestling podcast and the and the yeah. that do you yeah. still have that? Or yeah, yeah, do? that that's okay. what I've been doing. I've been doing it for seven years. Kings Wings Podcast. Okay. We're approaching episode yeah. three hundred in a month or two. Dang, nice yeah. work. So that that was that was my baby. That's what got me into podcasts. Cause I went I entered sophomore year thinking, Okay, I'm in the radio station, but I need something more. I love podcasts. Like every Saturday, I listen to TWFS. Like I had, I had my slew of podcasts listened to at Hofstra. Like I'd be playing video games, and listening to podcasts. I still do that to this day. In fact, I'm gonna do it when we get off this phone call. Um, but you know, I started thinking, okay, I need a podcast. And then I was home for winter break or Thanksgiving break, one or the other. And I was in my at my buddy Phil's house, um, in the basement watching hockey. And my other friend Christian was there, and we started just talking about wrestling. He's just like, Will, do you want to start a wrestling podcast? I just look him in the eye. Are you serious? So he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." 
Um, from there, we got the name, Kings of the Rings. Um, we came up with the idea for the logo. Um, I got it made. And then within two or three months, we launched. I mean, you've been, like, how, like how successful have you been? Because from my perspective, it seems like that's been fairly successful. Depends how you define success. Um, I define, I, I consider it successful because when I've done it for this long, um, two, uh, I've made two of my best, or three or two or three of my best friends through doing it. Um, I have met fans who listen to my show, which is the weirdest thing ever. We went, we, went to, we went to WrestleMania in New Orleans, and this chick from Florida was just also there. So she messaged Ricky on Twitter. We met up with three party with her on Bourbon Street. That was really cool. Um, you know, Mr. Fretz, who is the guest on this podcast, which released this week, um, fan from Canada, he found us. He listened to us when he was on the treadmill losing weight. So that was really cool. You know, we interact wow. with him all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a very small community of fans, but they're dedicated and I do it for them. Yeah. So in terms of success, you know, we don't have thousands of downloads. We don't have sponsors. We're not financially quote unquote successful, but that goes back to my original point. Like I don't, I don't care. Well, I mean, I'm not familiar with that world really at all. Is there, are there like top tier oh, yeah. wrestling podcasts that oh, yeah. are really well known? And yeah, people, yeah. Make, people make money. Um, but a lot of them are former wrestlers. Like a lot mm -hmm. of them are celebrities in wrestling, yeah. which is where the money comes from. But there are some out there like the, the Matt men podcast who I got to reach out to him. I'm trying to get him on this podcast. Cause he's an inspiration for me. You know, I listened, I started listening to him in 2015, 2016, give or take. Um, and you know, he's been podcasting for about 10, 10 years with the same guy. And watching him grow and his show become a success and how much money they're making now. And, you know, I, I feel like I know him. I've also met him personally at wrestling shows. So he's a really awesome guy. His name's Andrew Zarian. And, you know, they're, they're just two dudes who are fans who made a podcast and became successful and now are making money. So it is possible. But a lot of wrestling yeah. podcasts are just fans out there and they just don't, you know, they're just, they're just fans talking shit. That's that's most of them. That's most podcasts. Most pe podcasts are people talking shit, not making a dime. Yeah, but, you know, if you're doing that for podcasting, unless you are a celebrity and you're a, or or you're a business who can put money behind it, if you're starting a podcast to make money, it's gonna take a while because they have been podcasting for eight or nine years before they started making a dime. Joe Rogan started podcasting uh, in 2011, and he didn't become real for about seven, eight years. Yeah. Like real, real, like actual money, money, like fuck you, money. So it takes a lot of time. Have you, um, have you tried to reach out to any like sports media outlets to see if they would want to um, get behind you at all with that or no? No, I, I think for something like that, you need something to show them, right? And when it comes to yeah. those kind of people, they're not gonna care about what you, your content really. They're gonna be money and numbers guys. Well, okay, I asked that because the last couple of years I've really gotten into barstool sports. Um, I listen I, to I, I want to be I want to be Portnoy. Like yeah. when I think of when I think of what kind of executive do I want to be? I want to be like yep. Portnoy, right? Boston, yeah, no. Boston guy. Yep. Obnoxious, un unapologetically yeah. himself. Like that's if, uh, going to be me. 
my, my goal is to basically become a mix of Dave Portnoy and Ben, ben Shapiro. Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, are you going to convert to be an Orthodox Jew? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I like Ben yeah. Shapiro. His politics can be very iffy for me, but as a personality and as a, like a content creator and mm-hmm. as I think he's very, very smart, but often I think he's just completely wrong about things. But I think he's yeah. very intelligent, intelligent, knowledgeable, and reasonable for most part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I see something like Barcelona and I, I listen to his podcast all the time and he's always saying like, you know, a lot of how they started is just picking up characters off the street where he was like, you seem funny. And now they've been with Barstool for 15 years. And so that is a company I really do think you get your foot in the door. They really are going to look at you as being like, Hey, is this some sort of like creative content that people will respond to? Because they do have a lot of content on there that doesn't do huge numbers. Um, Some of it obviously explodes like call her daddy and, um, stuff like that but i mean i just i was just interested if you ever thought about that because to me i'm like if i were doing a podcast like that i feel like that would be somewhere i would go and be like hey check us out give us some feedback at the very least and see if there could be a potential marriage there i would love to work with barstool i'm a big fan of barstool and um i can announce this now so my my new venture um like i said earlier we're i am partnered with uh cube recording studios in montclair new jersey shout out to christian um me and him are going to do a live show either once a week, once a month, or I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. We got to kind of iron out those details, but my idea came from all my other's ideas. I couldn't sleep or I was in the shower. Um, so as proof of concepts and as I make content is an example, and my content is an example of what I can do for you. And I have this studio. It's like, okay, if we're trying to sell the studio and podcasting, what can I do to make it like sexy and appealing? So the premise is simple. It's going to be me in studio, him behind the board. We got a few cameras, and we're just going to get on mic, get on camera, and just mess around. Just talk about utter nonsense. It's going to be unknown, unnamed nonsense. Just shenanigans. Like literally all we need to do, just have a giant list of random questions. Like why do squirrels love nuts? Right, Wheels Messer. or doors? Huh? Wheels or doors? Wheels or doors? I was like, are there more wheels or doors in the world? <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, just random stuff like that. Like, well, I want um, an answer now. <laughs> wheels or doors? Yeah. Right? And the idea is just like, wind me up and this let me go. No, and but I mean, I want I, an I'm going to answer your fucking question, Hefe. <laughs> Give me a second. And then find a way to add different graphic segments. We can have guests in, like, I could bring yeah. you in remotely while I'm in studio. We, can just, we could do that. Or if you're if you're in town, I could bring you in studio. We can do it in person. But wheels or doors? That's a great question. Are we going globally or like in a certain area? The entire world. Entire world. Now, do you consider car doors? Doors, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say more doors. Wow. Because if, I like if, that. if you're gonna have four tires on a door or four tires on a car, you automatically have two or four doors. I like that. I've been arguing doors, I think, ever since I heard the question. And everybody gets pissed off at me because they're like, no, it's wheels. And here's how I break it down in my mind. Your gut reaction is, oh, it's got to be wheels. So that's like your initial, where your mind goes, wheels. And you think about it, 
And if you think about it long enough, you are like, no, there's doors. Come on. And then I think if you really, really, really think about it a long, long time, which only an idiot would because it's a useless, stupid question. It's a great then question. You probably could, then you probably come out with wheels again. I mean, you, you guys set the premise, right? Because you think like, you know, bikes, those are two wheels. You know, you got garage no doors. doors. If you got a Hot Wheel, they got four, four, four tires, but also four doors. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like there's how many skyscrapers are there with a billion, billion doors, doors like, in a whole city? And you got to think globally. You know, cars aren't as big in other countries, but bikes might be, you know. Um, but also then what do you define as a wheel? Because like I was like, inner wheel. So if you got, say you have a mill, right? Like mm -hmm. the giant wheel that spins. Yep. Is that a wheel? Or like gears, can those be yeah, wheels? Exactly. Like for all the doors and buildings that have doorknobs, there's probably a bunch of little wheels inside there, right? Like, there, there could be little wheels in there. So it's a very fuck you for this question, by the way. <laughs> like, like that's that's an easily it's an easy show to do. That's super relatable. And the premise is just there is no premise. This is just two guys or a guest. All right, Seinfeld. Just, just exactly, exactly. It's a show about nothing. It's just unknown, unnamed nonsense. I have no idea what I'm going to say, no idea what I'm going to ask. And like, we have a live chat where people can ask questions. As long as it's not too obsidious, we'll ask them. <laughs> so eventually, you don't have to come up with questions anymore. Like, it's, it's, this, it's a very easy, basic, simple idea. And it's just like, could this take off? It's like, yeah, well, this relates to literally everybody. Who's our target audience? Probably college kids and young adults. Male 18 to 40. 2022, and Seinfeld is still relevant to media of course <laughs> it's amazing like it's just like what kind of random obscure like the, the, the more crazy the question the better yeah all right anything else hefe two hours now no i'll let you go man i just i wanted to get those questions in about right. podcasts and well, wrestling I, and all I that i so. appreciate it ladies and gentlemen that has been my good friend jeffrey aka el jefe Day. Thanks for uh, loving. Jeff, anything you want to plug, share about yourself, where people can find you, anything like that, the floor is yours. Uh, you know, not at this point, but um, maybe I'll come back in a couple of months and have something to plug. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> we'll used, I'm so used to talking to people who have content or shit to sell. <laughs> so that's that's, it. that's that's a first for me, but I got shit to sell. You better fucking believe it. My name is Will Tarashuk, Keith and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. This has been a talking with Tarashuk podcast if you liked what you've heard here and you want to see more hear more subscribe to us on youtube for all the video content uh itunes spotify stitcher google Podcasts, amazon podcast cast box iHeartRadio, all the other ones internationally if you're in india congratulations we're there too you know good good on you uh, but the most important place is ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com for all my other podcasts, uh, the Ambiguous Podcast Solution, which will be back eventually once I can find more podcasts to talk to, which I find the time. I'm a very busy man. Um, my other podcast, King's Rings Podcast, with all of Wrestling Act If you're a wrestling fan, that podcast is the podcast for you. If you have a podcast and want to be a guest on any of my shows, if you are, anyone out there wants to be a guest on a Talking with, Talking, Talking with Tarashuk show, podcast, we can speak for two hours, three hours, four hours. If you have to, got the time, you got shit to talk about, we can do it. The main only catch is you got to make me go, ooh. If you make me go, ooh, that's interesting. Congratulations, you're on the show. Hey, face up, you hold us to talking points. I went, nope, 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 nope. Ooh, that's interesting. And guess what? <laughs> we talked about it. It really is that simple. Reach out to me at will at APSpodcast.com. That's A-P-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. Hey, I like saying .com like that. It's a kind of a gimmick. It's a lot of fun. 
Man, you got a lot of win there, buddy. <laughs> no shit. But I'll be back next week talking with, I don't know. I don't have a guest lined Somebody up. Somebody less important than me. I don't know, man. We'll, I'll figure it out. I got to follow up with one or two people and we'll see. I don't know. We'll see you there. But, you know, you do you, boo. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the podcast.